All right, everybody, let me set the scene for you. The year is 2013. Mm-hmm. Shane Ryan is a young, idealistic cub reporter, not yet tarred by the ugly realities of athletics and life, probably no more than 18 or 19 years old. Uh, and he is wandering the cold, hard-bitten campus of Michigan State University in East Lansing, Michigan. A brutal February day, of which anybody who comes from the Midwest or the Northeast knows. Um, what did I do that day? I saw a lot of things. I had ice cream from the school's dairy, which was lovely. I learned a little bit about the campus, the agricultural history. And then I went to the Breslin Center. Because mm-hmm. that night, Michigan State led by Tom Izzo, was taking on the Michigan Wolverines, their famous historical rivals, led by John Beeline, Trey Burke, um, some of the some really, really good players. And that Michigan team would go on that year to not only make the Final Four, but to make the final game mm-hmm. and come within a hair's breadth of defeating Louisville for the championship. So it was a good team. And the reason I bring this all up is because I was absolutely shocked by the scene in the Breslin Center, by the quote-unquote Izzone, where all the students were, They were unbelievably loud. They had been lined up for two days in brutal cold weather. This is not Kayville. I mean, Kayville can get cold, but this is, you know, Michigan. And they were there. They were showing up. They were, uh, you know, all wearing white. It was a whiteout. This was a decent Michigan State team, and they had a successful year that year. Guys like Keith Appling, Gary Harris. But it wasn't, you know, the best Michigan State team. They beat Michigan that day by 25 points. This again, a Michigan team that was going to... Almost the win it NCAA all. NCAA championship. And they crushed that team. And I was absolutely shocked by how loud, how raucous, and how ready to go that stadium was. And yeah, it was, uh, you couldn't hear yourself think after. My ears were ringing for hours afterward, even as I wrote the story for Grantland that day. So I bring this all up because Breslin Center doesn't get a ton of respect as a great basketball mm-hmm. venue. But let me tell you, when the circumstances are right, they can absolutely rock out. They can be incredibly loud, just as loud as I've heard Cameron at its loudest, even in the Maryland games back in the day when that rivalry was cooking. So this circumstance, fast forward to the presence, the Duke University men's basketball team visits East Lansing. That is a huge deal. Uh, The fans were shown out. They were ready to go. And this Duke team had been reeling because we just had a mm-hmm. loss to Stephen F. Austin. We had a very mediocre game against Winthrop. Mm-hmm. These fans were ready to go. Michigan State had not had a great start to the year, but it was a solid team. They started out number one. This was going to be the boost they needed. Las Vegas favored Michigan State by 6.5 points. What happened? We absolutely crushed them. We absolutely, absolutely crushed them. This game was over with nine minutes left, with nine, ten minutes left in the second half. It was absolute domination. I'm Shane. I'm here with Ariana. I'm here with Aaron. We are the Cameron Lazies. It's episode number 11. What we saw last night at the Breslin Center was some extremely good shit. Duke is back. What's up, guys? Fact check. Go for it. Maryland's not our rival. I said back Anymore. when that rivalry was cooking. Oh, no, they were never our rival. Uh, they were absolutely our rival. Yeah, I would say that the Maryland-Duke rivalry like sometimes got more heated and hate-filled than Duke-UNC, hands down. We used to say not our rival. I mean... In the champ. But yeah, the fact that you have to say that means it's not it's, true. Right. Like, <laughs> that, you're that, lying. Those games were absolutely more intense than the UNC derbies back in the day because Maryland was awesome and they won a national title. Um, I went to all those games, same as you did, Aaron, I'm sure. <laughs> and the Maryland atmosphere was absolutely off the charts. The one I, w- I was actually a little post uh, the, the uh, famous uh, Jay Williams year. Mm. Um, uh, Jay Williams was... I think no longer in school when I got there, but uh, Maryland had a player named Nick Kaner Medley. And I, I do remember mm-hmm. this pretty distinctly that the cheer uh, that night uh, was that he had been involved in some kind of altercation uh, or something with, with police. Um, uh, maybe he was drunk and disorderly. I don't know. Uh, and he said, uh, apparently during his arrest, that uh, I'm from Maryland and nobody can beat me. And I, st- oh, no. I still think about that all the time. Like I'm walking around in life being like, well, I'm, I'm from Maryland and nobody can beat me. Um, uh, so that was a good thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid work. All right. Well, I'm the only one who actually watched the game last night. So that's not true. Half. That's not true. Ariana was meeting, quote unquote, Greg Oden. Yeah. I don't know what I else mean, not happened. Quotes. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else. No. no I'm kidding. Um, 
Ariana was meeting Greg Oden. Yep. Aaron was reading about Queen Victoria. It was quite a night here in Cameron Lazy's land. It's true. Uh, we lived but up no. to our name. Aaron, Aaron watched. Ariana watched. Uh, let's start with the Michigan State game. Let's start yeah. here. This was uh, probably the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was awesome. I feel so good about this Duke team again. Ariana, what did you... General thoughts on the game. Yeah. I mean, for one... So, like, in watching the game, I caught the majority... A little bit of the first half, the majority of the second half. And, like... My dad texted me and like, he was like, why can't we just play like this consistently? And then one of my best friends, Scott texted me and he was like, this is like a tale of two teams. Like, who are we? And the thing that's like frustrating is that you see us come out for Kansas, for Michigan state last night. And like, we can really just bring it all. And it's like, yes, this team can be so incredible where like, even the people that oftentimes we discount a little bit show up and are like having really strong performances. Um, and we have moments like the breakaway dunk by Matt Hurt or Trey's dunk with the Michigan State player on his knees. And like you get these <laughs> iconic moments. And it's like, yes, if this team plays like this all the time, like my faith in them is entirely restored. So it's just a matter of can we keep this up? Can we keep this energy going? Um, and, you know, especially with Cassius out for as long as he may or, you know, may not be out it was nice to see that that didn't end up creating any gaping holes for us without him on the court. And I mean, what's crazy to me is you had this game last night where, like you said, cash us out. Uh, Jack white, I thought had one of his worst games of the year. I didn't think he did a good job. He did make some big defensive plays. Mm -hmm. Wendell Moore was completely absent. He got a couple of early dumb fouls, basically didn't play the first half really didn't do much in the second half. So there you have three guys who aren't contributing basically. And we still crush them. Yep. I mean, the rest of the team from Kerry and Trey Jones, especially, but right on down, they were all so good. Hurt, Baker, Jav. Except for AOC. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jav and Delorey had probably the best game of his career. Mm -hmm. uh, Joey Baker came out and just really seized the moment. I mean, a, a few defensive lapses, but they were overshadowed completely by how good he was on offense. Would you say that he seized the day? I think he carpeted that DM for sure. Interesting. Why? Well, I've seen you comment that you think that Joey Baker is not necessarily a golden retriever, but he's uh, more the character played by Ethan Hawke in uh, in Dead Poets Society. Yes. I learned I learned some facts about that character this morning. Do, do tell. Shoot him at me. It's been so long. Okay, yeah. So he's apparently shy, living in the shadow of his uh, uh, older brother who was some kind of sports uh, legend at the private school. He is roommates with the uh, creative kid whose father wants him to be a banker, but uh, but uh, the kid wants to be an, an actor. Yep. The kid who, who ends up committing suicide at the end. Um, uh, so he's uh, very reserved until he has a moment where Robin Williams uh, draws him out. Uh, he, he's not prepared the poem that he's supposed to 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 uh, present in class, and so. Robin Williams makes him describe Walt Whitman. Do you remember what he says, Shane? Well, I mean, I, of course, remember the poem, Oh, Captain, My Captain. No, but no. What does he say about no, Walt Whitman? No, he's, he's describing Walt Whitman, and he has this kind of free associative moment, and he calls Walt Whitman a sweaty-toothed madman, and Robin Williams gets really excited, and he says, Now you're getting it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and they all stand up on their desks and rip the page out of the book or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while the for me, thing. too. Uh, that, that whole Dead Poet Society thing, too. I'm still going with Golden Retriever, though. Okay. Uh, uh, he had a great game. Uh, was five for five until mm -hmm. he, he missed a shot. Uh, I think he, he ended the game five for six. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yep. Uh, if he had made that shot, he would have actually had that Baker's dozen. Oh, yeah. Which we please <laughs> Which we are dreading <laughs> to it. have happen he on the ACC He missed it for you, Aaron. He missed it please for you. Please don't. Yes. <laughs> Terrible. Um <laughs> But yeah, he he played a great game. Javon Delorier, uh, every time that he touched the ball, I was waiting for him to make a mistake, and he just didn't do it. Uh, he still had a couple bad fouls. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's he's the same person. But if he can play like that, spelling um, uh, Vernon the way that he did, uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, and we needed him big time mm -hmm. last night. I mean, it was a case where early on you could see. Matt Hurt kind of also sees the day a little bit. He was he was shooting well, but he was weak defensively. And Michigan State is always big. Every single mm -hmm. Tom Izzo team just has incredible Someone. mass underneath, no matter what. Sometimes they're really skilled, sometimes they're not. They're always huge, and they can always wear you down. And Hurt was getting worn down. And mm -hmm. so with White kind of you know, having a sort of mediocre to subpar day, you needed DeLore to come in and have a great game. 
And like Aaron said, he was basically perfect, and not just from the field. He actually had one personal foul, Aaron, while we're right, fact-checking. exactly. Um, really? Yep. Yeah, which is, like, shocking. But he had huge offensive boards, a couple of them for putbacks. He finished. He had one actual big man move where I was like, oh, great move, Vernon Carey. And I was like, holy shit, that's, that's Javin. Jav. That's Javin. Uh, he was exemplary. If Javin Delorier can play like that, we'll win a national title. Like, really? That's, yeah. I feel that strongly about it. Um, he was just... Aaron, you were arguing before he was your man of the match, and it's hard to argue with that. It's, I mean, you know, there are two guys who <laughs> are obvious candidates in front yeah. of him, but like Javin Delorier was the kind of the straw that stirred the drink last mm-hmm. night, and he was always there in the big moments, a little bit like a big man's version of what Joey Baker did for us. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, uh, you know, I find these arguments kind of stupid. You know, who's the, who's the most valuable? Is it the the person who's without whom the contribution, uh, the team would not without whose contribution the team would not be what the team is, is it the best player? Yeah. Uh, so this man of the match construct, uh, you know, only exists to That's probably, yeah, or sell products or something. Uh, uh, but uh, I have another Joey Baker comment, which is uh, <laughs> the foul that he got when he was trying to block uh, the other young man's shot was, um, it was spastic. <laughs> He, yeah, you have written here pretty much a spaz. From pre- our, pretty much a spaz. Aaron and I do um, Google Doc notes. We invite Ariana, but she's just not in. Yeah, she's she's not. Generally, I'm fair. at the game. Okay? Yeah, yeah, it's totally fair. No, no, no. I'm I'm not hitting you for that at all. But yeah, pretty but much it was, a spaz. I watched Golden Retriever videos actually after that for for a while, and we can link to them in in the show notes. Uh, or we we just link to it in the Google Doc that nobody will see. Or just go to YouTube Ever. and just right. go to just yeah, Google just Google Golden Retriever, Golden Retriever videos, yeah. and it looked exactly like something that a Golden Retriever that got like overly excited yeah. would do. So I'm I'm going with Golden Retriever over uh, over Dead Poet Society. I, I feel like that fits him. I I really do, especially because he's so like I feel like one of the things about Golden Retrievers and why they are the like family dog that people go to is because they're just so positive all the time and like just so gung-ho and like down oh, yeah. for anything oh, yeah. and like that's joey baker to a t can i say joey baker was so hot in the second half that when he passed the ball to jack white jack white made a three-pointer he he shared the wealth that was a contact high if i've ever seen one because <laughs> we know jack white just doesn't make three-pointers no, he doesn't do it he doesn't uh all right let me wax poetic briefly uh, again about <laughs> trey jones <laughs> Please, not again. It's going to be a lot of poetic waxing today. Um, So, all right. Trey Jones did not have a good week. Like, a lot of Duke didn't have a good week. But as Trey Jones goes, so goes this team, I think. Uh, And we could blame him to a certain extent for the Stephen F. Austin loss, for the kind of wavering performance against Winthrop. He looked tired. Trey Jones is back. I mean, Trey Jones just looked like the best player in the country. He took one of the consensus best players of the country, Cassius Winston, out to the shed and whipped him and spilled his blood all over his home floor, if I may. Um, A lot of blood content from you, Aaron, recently. I don't know what the deal is there. Lord Um, Jesus. (laughs) But no, Trey, I mean, like, he broke ankles after a steal right away. Um, He hit a a huge three to go up 32-18 to that broke the game open in the first half, Mm -hmm. harassing Winston, stealing the ball. At one point I wrote in this Google Doc, Winston can barely dribble against Trey Jones. Yeah. Even if someone beat him, he was going behind them and taking the ball. We've seen him try to take charges <laughs> right. from behind. That doesn't work, but he but can certainly steal works. the ball from behind. Um, the, the lead gets to 12 late in the first half, and they're starting to crawl back. He makes a huge bucket on a drive. He buries the technical free throws when, mm-hmm. Izzo, when Izzo goes nuts. Um, great layups. Uh, unbelievable bounce pass to Vernon Carey. I mean, the game is just full of highlights. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, Michigan State kind of like scrapes back and claws. They get to within eight. It's Trey Jones, it's Vernon Carey, and it's Joey Baker making sure that the lead doesn't get any closer yeah. and the game turns into a laugher. So starting right away with Trey, I mean, just like there's not enough good things to say about how good he was on both sides of the floor. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing to see, especially like I think this was the bounce back I was hoping for against Winthrop. And I'm glad that even though that game against Winthrop was lackluster, I'm glad that the level he came out with this game was so high, um, especially in like a high pressure situation against such a classically good team. Um, and like he finished with a double double. He, I don't even remember how many steals he had, but it was a pretty high number too. Um, and I mean, he still had, I think he finished with six turnovers, which like, you know, not 
great, but better than he had been before where he had, I think his career high or his season high, which was eight against SFA. Um, but like the tenacity he came out with was remarkable. Um, and it was, so I was, uh, checking social media after the game and Tyus was there for it and Trey didn't know he was coming. And so when he came out to like warm up and he saw him there, he was just like so excited. And so if like Tyus is also a little bit of a secret of getting like this Trey Jones to show up more, can we just sneak Tyus into every game from this point on? Yeah. Or do like a Saddam Hussein and get like 16, like Tyus stunt doubles yes. that can show up at any point. Always and forever. <laughs> just sit in the rafters. So you can barely recognize him. Right. Yeah. No, he was, uh, he was awesome. He stepped up in a big way. You do wonder if there was a, a bit of a revenge motive mm-hmm. for him. Uh, Zion, I don't know if Zion is avenged quite. This was not as big a win as the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, it was so funny. They they showed Izzo's record against Coach K, and it's abysmal. It's two and something, two and 14. Or it's two and, 10 and, or two and 10. Two and 10. And um, I feel like the, those two losses for us have always come like, in the tournament yeah they were both in the tournament and they and this last one in particular was, was a so devastating loss yeah i was at a wedding for two of my friends who are both michigan state grads and uh yeah they were happy at least yeah well hopefully their um marriage is cursed i don't want to speak for you ariana but no i'm kidding best best wishes to you ariana's <laughs> friends uh, i hope everything goes great no but yeah so yeah he did he came up in a hostile environment and he just showed exactly how tough yep. he was trey stones mm-hmm. um all right aaron you want to talk a little bit about um the man who you kind of fluctuate between loving and hating mr vernon Carey? sure um uh i i want to return to to trey jones for, for a couple comments yeah. before before talking about Vernon Carey. Yes. This revenge factor is, is interesting. Um, uh, in our recurring segments, uh, a segment, Texts from Our Dads, um, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I asked my dad, why is Trey Jones playing 40 minutes in a game when we have Virginia Tech on Friday night? Um, one, one wonders. Sure. He certainly wasn't needed in the last... I would say eight minutes of the game, right? Uh, Goldwire was actually playing fine. Mm-hmm. Wendell Moore could have used a little more time developing, yeah. uh, especially in that kind of environment. Uh, so my father's response was the same as as what you had, Shane. Revenge. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not sure. I buy it. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm barking. That is. Uh, uh, Love it or shove it was the one I was trying to think of. <laughs> Love it or shove it. Uh, so you would shove it. Bark it or bite it. I would. I would. I would shove, bite, bark. <laughs> it. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't see how that's a good idea. Uh, playing playing Trey Jones forty minutes in this game, mm. uh, especially Look. after he looked tired. Um, uh, perhaps he's recovered from whatever uh, malaise he he had. Uh, second, I don't think that we we can overstate the effect of particular instances in basketball defining mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. Uh, uh trey had his i think when he absolutely vaporized number three uh for michigan state um uh, i don't remember the kid's name uh can you can you look oh, it up i'm on it number three oh, for michigan state uh ariana's on it but i know what you're talking about the young white fellow who yeah fell and tried to defend him uh, yeah and then drew a foul just by, <clears throat> by being on the ground being and, on, on the ground and trey just standing on him yeah he actually right he, he surfed on his chest which i was impressed with his technique uh having had surfed on top of the band uh, it's hard to surf on top of of human flesh um <laughs> sure number three Foster lawyer. <laughs> yeah. You can't make it up. Foster lawyer <laughs> played right. four minutes in that game. So uh, t- Foster lawyer was in there. This was at the very beginning of the game. He did not get back in the game until there were about five minutes left in the second half. Yeah. Foster lawyer was vaporized. Mm-hmm. He is he a was, ghost. Oh, he, he is was now done. deceased. He was absolutely he, done. He was destroyed. And it was just a simple little behind the back dribble. Yep. That put him right on his ass. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. It, it was, was great. It was a bad. I was sad look, but but really for Trey, I think you know even those kinds of galvanizing moments, right, or for the team, um, uh, that's when I I did have a feeling uh, that that this was going to be going well for us, um, uh, because you could almost feel just the the sheer embarrassment uh, that was that was going through that place. And I, I will say quickly, just in response, Aaron, in Coach K's defense, these kinds of games, I think, a are important. 
from like a, not just a PR perspective, but from a, from a team perspective of the confidence that it builds to go in and mm-hmm. win in this kind of environment. It gets a historically great team and a loud place is big, uh, especially when all eyes are on you. Second, it can turn so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw a lead that I forget what it was at the half 16 at the half go uh-huh. to eight within a minute and a half. Yep. I think I too wish that Trey hadn't played the full 40, but yeah. I do understand where Keeping him when in. the going gets tough, you don't, you're a little scared of taking him out just because he is such a calming influence and he goes for two minutes and who knows what can happen. And you just don't want that. Isn't that the point of getting a 16 point lead though? Not against Michigan State on the road, I don't think. And I just don't think you want that on your psyche, having blown a game like that. Yeah, I would also say I don't think with this team. So one of my gripes with this team is that they have had this notion of, oh, we're up by double digits. We can relax now. And then their lead disappears and they never get it back. against Stephen F. Austin? Right. And so I think there is a little bit of this, like, hesitation to actually, like, stomp down on the team that you're playing when you're up by this team in like that oh we're gonna let up on the throttle and so I feel like this was a move of we can't do that guys um regardless of who the team we're playing is regardless of how much we're up by regardless of how they look deflated we have to keep playing our best and playing our game and so I think it was also a move of like that degree of we can't let up. It's not that easy. And especially after, I think Coach K made a comment last week about how um, the, like, the team very much was just like expecting to win. Um, and so I think it also kind of goes along with that mentality of like getting rid of that like mindset. Um, and it's a little bit of a callback to last year and this like notion of like, yeah, you have to earn it. Um, and I feel like this team sometimes feels like they don't have that same mindset as last year's. So I think it also goes along with that. Too. Yeah. And, and that was big. I think too, like it's clear to me that this is a team that the minute they lose their defensive focus, you could lose to anybody. And we said, and, and that was made more definitive by this Michigan state result, which is that when they're coming out with their backs to the wall, knowing they have to grind, knowing they have to kind of be as a unit yep. and fight for every little thing they have, they have, uh, they can dominate even yeah. really good teams. Whereas if they don't, their offense is so dependent on their defense because mm-hmm. we just don't have that much skill in the half court set yet that if they're not playing defense, yeah, you can you can have a shitty game against yeah. Winthrop. You can lose to Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. So that this just like firmed that up in my mind. Yeah, would agree. Uh, all right, Vernon Carey. Uh, yep. yep. The <laughs> the funny thing about him, Ariana, you were the first one to see this, and it's just proved so true, which is that for someone with such a silky touch and. Like the most moves I think I've ever seen in a big man in college mm-hmm. basketball. Like I joked last night, like to a friend, I'm like, I hate to exaggerate, but he is Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> However, he can't catch. Like, no, he, he can't. <laughs> he doesn't have any hands. And Aaron pointed this out too last night. He can't finish through contact. Uh, but he, at the same time, was so amazingly good yep. in that game. Uh, he took charges. I mean, he scored at will. He's just so freaking smart and fluid out there. Yeah, Aaron, what do you make yeah. of the of the contrast that is well, Vernon Carey the third? Well, the thing that you mentioned in the in the last podcast about uh, uh, all the the times that the players fouled and they missed the shot those those missed shots are not showing up. I was just I I pretty much just watched Vernon Carey mm-hmm. uh, for large stretches of this game because he was he was clearly going to be the most interesting character uh, to to emerge. Um, uh, I think we we discussed a little bit about. Uh, his two down-ish games, um, mm-hmm. his definitely being called out by his coach mm-hmm. for missing free throws and for for not finishing. And I wondered, you know, the the, the Winthrop game was not the response we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wondered if this this kind of tactic of of calling out players still works with with the uh, with this generation. What what are they, Gen Z? No. I guess now, I yeah, think probably so. Gen, Gen Z. Z. Okay, they're post millennial. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Does does the calling out hmm. thing work, um, or is he just going to sulk? And I think maybe in the Winthrop game, he didn't know how to how respond. to respond to to the challenge that was being laid before him. I'm not sure that this is indicative that he did that either. Hmm. Um, uh, I, you know, th- these are human beings, right? They're, they're certainly developing young men. Uh, but I'm not sure that, that any cause, uh, you know, you can attribute his, his better play 
Like, how, how do you explain why he shot his free throws so much better yeah. in this game? Nine for 12, yeah. As he did um, uh, in the Stephen F. Austin yeah. game. Uh, how, how do you attribute that? The, you know, the hand thing stays the same. He mm-hmm. can't hold on to the ball. Um, and when he gets more than a little bumped, he did finish through contact a the couple of times half. in the, the second, second half. half. He yeah. did, yes. In the second half, but he wasn't getting bumped that much. It didn't look As like much. it anyway from, from, where, uh, from where I was sitting. <laughs> Uh, on the couch um so yeah i don't know but they looked like more manageable situations or where someone was reaching in instead of really going into his body and fouling him that way well he was so good that i i truly do think just watching from the body language that the defense had almost given up yeah. on him yeah. or they they it were chasing like, shadows like yeah it was like somebody somebody anymore. guarding him and just not knowing what to do he had a lovely move where uh, second half, he got the ball on the left side of the post, and you always expect Kerry to go to his left. Mm-hmm. And instead, he did a drop step Back. and a spin to his right, mm-hmm. and the defender mm-hmm. was, was just beautiful. not in the vicinity. And he was even able to finish with his left hand. The defender couldn't even come back to block mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, he spun to his right, and they were nowhere to be found. And he just does have that intelligence of yeah. that sort of thing of like, if I do this once in a while, it's going to keep them just honest, enough. and it's going to keep them totally off, like on their toes, and and really not knowing what's going on. So yeah, Aaron, you're right. Like that, there is no explaining why he made more foul shots. There is no knowing. Well, I so the way that I always the way that him. I always responded to that kind of challenge in um, you know when when people could still do that to me, right? That clearly, they I guess because of my position in life or whatever that that just doesn't happen very much where people are challenging me to uh, really uh, really excel. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm I'm in a comfortable place, uh, but when that did happen to me when I was a younger person, the way I would respond was "screw you." Oh, same here. It was never like, "Yeah, I really got to get better." Um, it it was like, "You're an asshole," uh, for for being on me about this. I know I'm good at this game or at you know school or whatever it was I was good at, um, and maybe this is just a psychological uh uh i'm resisting the idea that this kind of feedback can actually this kind of you know challenging feedback can actually get you to do better Hmm. well it's it's interesting too in this day and age because you're right i felt the same way you and i probably have more of an anti-authoritarian streak that than most college basketball players do however at the same time it's like the paradigm of these coaches are generals who we must obey and listen to is changing so much. And really like what most people think is it's bullshit. These kids aren't being paid. Mm -hmm. Right. Like fuck all the coaches, fuck Mm -hmm. the NCAA. Like even in college football, you're seeing kids just not playing bowl games because they're like, I'm going to get drafted and I'm certainly not going to risk an injury. So that's changing too. So I, I do think like what you're saying is, is so valid. And yeah, coach K called him out a little bit, but I, I do, I do think coach K is probably, more so than an idiot like Bobby Knight, like probably a master of changing times and how you have to talk to certain people mm-hmm. different ways and how he would talk to people today far different than he would have talked to Wojo or somebody right. mm-hmm. um, back then. And yeah, you just never know what's going to make someone respond to you. Some people would get yelled at and be like, I'm going to prove Coach K wrong. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. And other people would have your and I attitude of screw this. I'm, I'm just right. going to sulk and I'll go to the NBA in a year and, <clears throat> and screw you. It won't you. matter. Yeah. So it's not an easy thing trying to motivate people. Yeah, in, in these circumstances. But, yeah, but how can we say that this was a result of his being motivated as opposed to him just being a really good basketball player, him having favorable matchups? Uh, I, I just, I guess, I'm resistant to to assign a cause to to his good performance. Well, Fair. I, I don't think we necessarily have to assign no. assign a cause to it. Um, and like, it's likely that it's a combination of different things, right? We don't know necessarily why, because Vernon Carey's a decent free throw shooter. Like, right. we don't know why he missed so many during the Stephen F. Austin game. And that's more of the anomaly than him making his free throw shots last night. I agree. Um, and so I don't think it is necessarily a product of figuring out why last night's performance was so good, but trusting that as he is developing as a basketball player, he is learning how to show up, particularly in these high pressure situations um, and learning how to put his skill test skill set, sorry, um, to the best of his and his teammates ability. Um, And 
I, I think it's a like I think it's a product of like growth as a like basketball player and like adjustments, right? There are definite changes between playing at the high school level and playing at the, you know, D one college level. And as, so as evidenced by Wendell Moore. Yeah. And so exactly. I think it's just a matter of adjustments right and in those transition moments um it's never clean right it's never a linear transition there are going to be peaks and valleys and kind of things are going to go all over the place in a general hope what you hope for is a general trend upward um and so i'd imagine that as we keep going with these young guys we are going to see that variability and when they do perform really strongly and really well and when they have kind of these off games that are like ooh, where did this come from um and it's likely a you know yeah a combination of things that are leading to that and it can both be in regards to basketball it could be in regards of the adjustment from being in high school to being a college kid it could be in regards to classes it could be in regards to family etc um and so that whole person in way that they exist off the court also impacts how they are performing on the court right i think that can also be said in regards to Cassius Winston with the death of his brother. Sure. Yeah. And I also say uh, in Vernon Carey's case, he's in a weird situation, which is that he came into Duke. He was a top level recruit, but we didn't necessarily know he'd be this good. Mm -hmm. So he came in and you're like, oh yeah, one of four freshmen. Let's see what they do. Let's see what they have. Uh, and all of a sudden, like within two games, it's clear that he's either our best player or yeah. if not, like he and he's one A and one B with Trey Jones. So all of a sudden, he's not just some freshman coming in where we're curious about him. He is now the guy that we need to perform well to win basketball games. And so when he misses, you know, free mm -hmm. throws in the Stephen F. Austin game, for effect. all the bullshit we talk about the Stephen F. Austin game, we would have won that game if Vernon Carey had made his free throws. Even right? a few more. Yeah, but it's also ignoring the fact that he's in there getting hacked and fouled right. because nobody can contain this guy on offense, right. even on his bad days. And so he's in there in the mix, and all of a sudden now we need him, mm -hmm. and we're blaming him for losses. Right. We're not going to blame Wendell Moore for losses because yeah. Wendell Moore stinks. You know, or, or he is he, not as good consistently. I should say he has the potential to stink. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like He's not going to be entering that level where mm -hmm. we go Wendell Moore is to blame for the loss of this game yeah we can say that about Vernon Carey now yeah. and last night we can say we won this game because of Vernon mm -hmm. Carey because he's so unstoppable and so good um so that has got to be a sort of shattering transition right I mean that's a lot you talk about a lot high of pressure college that's a pressure for anybody now all of a sudden you're the man who the, the team is jumping on your shoulders for the most famous yeah. basketball program in the country and you're on TV every night. That's crazy. And I like, yeah, stepping up last night, I mean, just says nothing but great things about his character and, mm -hmm. uh, and his ability to play under pressure. Yeah. And like, I would say in watching his dynamics with the coaches, his dynamics with his teammates, um, I do think that he's a learner. Like in regards to yes. being like being called out or having his coaches say things, I don't think he's the person that's like, fuck you. I'm like good enough. I think he very much is a, okay, how do I dissect this? How do I get better sort of mindset? And I think it's a matter of like, as a coach, you have to learn that about your players to know how to apply proper pressure. Um, but also in regards to him, I saw this uh, stat earlier today um, that said, was comparing him to Jalil Okafor in their first nine games. And so Jalil's stat line was 162 points, 81 rebounds, 15 blocks, and 65% for field goals. Do you think Vern's better or worse? All right, read those stats again. 162 points. Yeah. 81 yeah, rebounds, 15 blocks, 65% field goals. So I will say this. I actually had an argument on a message board with a guy about this the other day. Yeah. Uh, but it was between Boozer and Okafor. Ah. And Boozer's stats his third year were almost identical to Okafor's. Now, I was also at the same time looking at Vernon's stats. Yeah. So I think Vernon is probably a little better from field goal percentage. Uh, and I, I would my guess is, I could be wrong, I would guess he's a little bit... Uh, if you compare the two, you would eventually say Vernon's just slightly better than, than Ja. Fair. Aaron? Uh, the, we've already discussed the problems with computing field goal percentage, but I would Accurate. say... Uh, he's probably right there on field goal percentage. Definitely more points. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about rebounds right now, but I'm going to say more rebounds and maybe one fewer block. Fair. So, Burn Carey stat line, 173 points, so you're right on him having more points. 87 rebounds, so more rebounds. 22 blocks. No. 22 blocks. Compared what? to 15? 15. Okay. Yeah. No. Yes. And then 59.6 from field goal. So a little bit worse from field goal. Lower. But I think a lot yeah. of that has to do with the fact that he doesn't finish as well with contact. Right. 
Right. But like seeing that stat line, like I honestly like I knew Vernon Carey was good and I know that I gripe about his hands a lot. But like seeing that like stat line, I was like, I did not realize just how gifted that kid is. Absolutely. Um, can we jump from the a transition from the blocks just to talk about our team defense, how many freaking yeah. blocks we had last yeah, night? It, was good. it seemed like anytime anybody was beating us, we were coming back and like Jack White had two, Vernon Carey had three, Hurt had three. Uh, Trey well, one, jo- no, one of those was a goaltend. No, it was a block. They didn't count. Yeah, it. he's got three. I, I thought it was. I didn't think it was definitive from the replay. Well, it hit the rim or it hit the uh, backboard. I don't think so. I don't think well, you could determine that. I could determine. <laughs> I could determine that. After uh, you look up golden retriever videos, look up that block and let us know what you think. Well, yeah. no. So here, let me let me share let me share a little secret uh, with our listeners. Secret corner. There are. Um, so so sometimes I listen to the announcers, but most of the time when I'm watching a basketball game live, I do not listen to the commentators. One, because I feel... You know more. No. No, <laughs> I, ju- I guess I just feel um, that having someone narrate what I'm already watching uh, is a bit offensive to me. <laughs> uh, and second, The very concept of announcers. Well, the, yeah, the very concept of... Look, I'm already watching it. Yeah. Uh, I, I know what I'm seeing. Um, and so what this causes is I sometimes miss the sideline reports when, so apparently my father reports from the reporters that uh, maybe uh, uh, Cassius Stanley's injury is not as bad. He could uh, be back Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah, against Virginia Tech, which shocked me. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, but watching without having your mind distracted by the sound of the announcer's voice really allows you to zero in on what's happening. Mm. Therefore, uh, th- th- this is how I can watch the feet. No. This is how... Foot yeah. finish corner Foot is finish back. Corner. This is how I uh, can tell when it's a goaltend. Mm. I can tell when it's a block or a charge because I'm not being distracted by the people I mean, talking about sports, which is just a ridiculous enterprise in and of itself. As we sit here and talk about sports. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I contend it wasn't a goaltending, just like I contend that Grayson Allen never purposely tripped anyone. No tripping. Uh, so I'm he also go. definitely did not booty bump Joel Berry. Yeah, never happened. Mm-mm. Never happened. Fake news. So, okay. Uh, yeah, Jay Billis, it was wise to mute him. Um, oh, I've been handed the baby monitor by my lovely wife. Thank you. Uh, okay, so as we watch my child, um, so generally speaking, Jay Billis was like, I really, for the first time, did feel like a hundred of people on Twitter always feel from Duke that he was going out of his way. To be annoying? To, like, Yeah, or just to like seem like he wasn't a Duke homer. Uh. Uh, like, he was just, every single call, he's like, oh, that's awful. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you would have thought by listening to him that like Michigan State would have won by 30 if only the refs were fair. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, that was my take on, on Billis. And I know you guys didn't listen to him. That's cool. You're smart to do that. I've, um, met, I've met him, though. So How was that? That was cool. Yeah? Yeah. He was here at the same time as my dad. They apparently were in some club together. Did so you, my dad says. Did your dad like him? Wait, like a dance yeah. club? No, it was like a business club. Oh, or like a student. Like that. Yeah, oh, okay. it was like it was a, a student organization. It was a business dance club. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, you can't do the two <laughs> without each other. That's correct. Business is a complicated dance. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. We are at thirty-eight minutes, so let's let's talk quickly about. You started the show with three minutes on the beauties of the moral act. <laughs> creating the land grant university in Michigan. Yeah, it and was important. And their, the and their wonderful their dairy. I'll tell is... you what, I would like to make a parallel. It's a profound parallel, I think, to the <laughs> oh, Michigan God. Michigan State rivalry is very much like the NC State UNC rivalry. Tonight. Right down to the fact that the I'm state school, the non ag school, considers themselves bigger rivals with somebody else and it infuriates the mm. ag school. So just like UNC like sees Duke as their big rivalry, which annoys NC State. Michigan and Ohio State have their own yeah. thing, and that pisses off the Spartans. So, all right. Anyway. Uh, the more you, you know. The more you know. And that, that actually dynamic plays out in a few different places. It does yeah. not hold for South Carolina and Clemson, who are in the same situation. Um, Correct. Who's the, who's the ag school there? Clemson. Clemson yeah. is a land-grant university. But South Carolina and Florida, maybe? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Right. doesn't work. Fair enough. I would say it probably holds for Georgia and Florida and Georgia Tech, even though that's not Georgia Tech is not. It's not a an high school, but the same dynamic. It's plays an engineering out. school, correct? Yeah, they're, correct. They're smarties. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the team. Doesn't hold for Alabama and Auburn either. Another situation mm. where you've got a land grant university, which would be Auburn uh, against a more traditional. So that's two against two, right? Michigan oh, not, all tied up. I, all so, I said, all I said mm. was that these two situations in North Carolina and Michigan are similar. Oh, I see. You weren't. You were not. I'm not saying general statement about. Yeah, I mean, you can find all the counterexamples you want. It only makes my analogy more profound. Interesting. (laughs) All right, team offense. What did you guys think? Uh, I thought it was fine. Ariana, it was like a a tale of good and bad again in some ways. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. There were stretches where. And again, I only saw the second half. Um, There were stretches where it was like, yes, this Duke team, they really, like, they have the chops to do this. They have the, like, Vernon Carey has good touch down low when they get in, like, transition and get fast breaks. Like, they really um, can, like, easily score the ball. And it's like the moment that offense is stagnant, all of that falls away. Um, But there were also some, like, really sloppy stretches in the game. And I'm also just still really concerned about how our passing is sometimes because they get really loosey-goosey. And, like, sometimes it's like they barely make it to where they need to without getting taken Um, or, like, wildly going out of bounds or something like that. And so sometimes it's just a matter of, like, they're just not thrown strongly enough or directly enough, um, which is interesting to me because I don't think I've seen that from a Duke team in my history of watching Duke teams, so it's weird yeah, to yeah. see that be a thing on our offense. The passes are a little loose. Um, there were a couple instances in, in last night's game that that were not great. And you're yeah, right, it's like I, it's I don't think I'm, Yeah, exactly. It's like they're e- either they're trying to throw it to a spot or mm-hmm. it, it doesn't quite work. Um, uh, however, uh, you know there was also some excellent passing yeah. in last night's game. I think uh, Goldwire on the on the fast break to Trey for the layup was really, really nice. That was beautiful. Um, you know, obviously Trey Jones and, and his, um, uh, his passing was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were finding open, open players for, for threes. Um, although we did have some just kind of spot up, uh, or pull up threes, uh, especially, uh, sad, sad, uh, sad horn time, uh, for, for, <laughs> wah, wah. for, uh, Wendell or not Wendell for Vernon Carey. Uh, no longer perfect he did miss one of his three-point shots that was an actual three-point shot yeah he made the other right so he was he was one One for two yeah it's actually the one he made was was really (laughs) and and really deep too yeah yeah, he just bombed it but yeah it was like at a pivotal point where it was a it was definitely a dagger kind of thing like oh you can't guard this guy inside Mm -hmm. you can't guard him outside well forget it um yeah, and I just want to go over that stretch real quick because I, I thought it was enormous. The um and obviously enormous the fact when Michigan State reduced the lead to eight, to eight points and it was Cassius Winston nailed a, a three kind mm-hmm. of on a fast break and it was like you felt well, the yeah, you, you felt was, the yeah. place like really bedlam. like just bedlam. yeah yeah go all out and that was that was the thing that that it could have it could have really swung gone. yeah I mean there was so much time left there's still 17 minutes mm-hmm. left. So I just want to go through the stretch and kind of read what happened here. I'm on the ESPN play-by-play. Vernon Carey gets a three-point play, assisted by Wendell Moore. Mm-hmm. Vernon Carey makes a layup, assisted by Trey Jones. Joey Baker makes a three. Mm-hmm. Um, then Gabe Brown gets an and one. Joey Baker makes another jumper, and then Matt Hurt makes a three, and it's a 16-point game again. Yep. And that's within three minutes. So, yeah, that, I mean, I just thought that showed so they much They had character. really beautiful stretches of basketball at moments. Like, yeah. And that was under under extreme stress. Probably yep. more stress than we've dealt with yep. the entire thing. Even more than Stephen F. Austin, which you have, at least have a friendly crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I, I thought I couldn't be happier about that. Because um, that did feel like danger zone stuff yeah, to me. Yeah, and like that was our, this was our first legitimate road contest. So, oh, yeah. to oh, like yeah. see that response in that moment and see them not fade away or like crumble underneath it or panic underneath it, which is, I think one of the things that happened uh, during the Stephen F. Austin game is like when, as Stephen F. Austin started to claw back, like all of our guys just like scrambled and were so frazzled and it was very hard to get them to like cohesively come back together. Yep. Um, and like that stretch. Um, Cause like, that's when I think when I had tuned into the game more actively um, and I was like, Ooh, this could go badly. And then they were right back into it, which was really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to go. We have a couple Twitter questions. I want to ask this one because it's a good um, it's a good segue into where we go next, which is going to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. who started off the season gangbusters 
They're in their first year post Buzz Williams. Yeah. However, they've lost the last two games and have not looked good. So, who's their new coach? Mike Young, who okay. was the coach at Wofford, okay. actually, and he. But it's kind of a weird situation. He was a coach at Wofford for like 17 years. Oh wow! So this is not some up and coming guy that like turned a mid major really good and there. then vaulted. I mean, he was there forever since like 2002. Wow. So yeah, um, Mike Young is their coach. They're playing okay. I feel much better about that game than I did before because mm-hmm. they've they've hit a rough patch. Um, but this is a question from Suspended BS, who goes by Sportsish Guy. Um, <laughs> with ACC play starting for Duke in 48 hours and a third of the regular season under our belts, what has changed about your expectations for this team? What is your predicted ACC conference record and NCAA tourney seed? Which are all Ooh. good questions because we started off bullish. We got we were led down the bearish path by Aaron after last week, mm-hmm. and now I'm trying to figure out where we go now. I'm trying to grab you back up to the bullish heights. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like let's let's go around and 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 answer those questions. How have your expectations changed? ACC record, NCAA seed. What do you think? Um. So. I don't know if my expectations have changed all that dramatically. I think I felt from the start this season that this team was going to be confusing and that we didn't have like people always at the beginning of the season are like, oh, Duke's so deep, Duke's so deep. And I'm always the person that's like, no, we're not. Please stop talking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I think in regards to, yeah, my expectations about this team, they're, they're still relatively the same. I think we can have stretches where we're really brilliant. And if we see more of that and if we grow into that, we'll be a really strong team towards the end of the season. But I think we're going to have some really ugly games in between now and then. Um, and like, we can call them growing pains if we want to, but I do think that there are going to be a good amount of of games this season where in the pit of my stomach I'm just like oh my god what is this um and I think initially I was like real bold because Shane you took the 15-5 that I wanted and I was like oh we'll be 16-4 um and I think I'm gonna settle in at a 14-6 cool and then what about an NCAA tourney seed? so that's early as hell so yeah. part of me like the superstitious part of me doesn't want to say because if I'm right and then I say it and then I jinx it I'm gonna be upset with myself <laughs> um but I I don't know. I think this team is either going to be a high two. Um, so like looking in the rankings, I think we're probably like going to be like five, six, um, which makes me nervous because like whenever we're a two seed, we end up losing <laughs> in like the first or second round. Um, yeah. And if we actually perform, like if we perform at our peak, like if we perform, yeah, at our peak, I think we could be a one seed. Um, I don't think we'll be overall one at all, but I could see us being like the third or the fourth one. All right, Mr. Christianfeld. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with thirteen and seven. I was on the I was on the fence between twelve and eight and thirteen and seven. I'm, this this win has got me back up to thirteen and seven uh, in ACC play. Uh, we will be a two seed, no question about it. I feel that way too. I am going to up my prediction. I think Uh-oh. my expectation my expectations are back where they were last week because I thought this game showed that granted Michigan State's fallen on hard times to some degree, but they're certainly a better team than Stephen F. Austin or Winthrop. I think we're kind of learning our identity and mm-hmm. learning how we have to play to win. I cannot see this team losing seven games or even six games in conference. Mm-hmm. So I again it would be easy to default back to fifteen and five because I do agree with you that there's gonna be games where you know, we struggle. I just don't know how good the ACC is this year. Yeah. I, we know Louisville fair. Louisville looked great against Michigan. They They're going to be a tough team. Um, but as long as we're within 15 with two or three minutes left, I feel we like can we, do it. we can win those games. <laughs> <laughs> I, that yeah. was such a good night. God, I was – so really funny moment watching that game. Dick Vitale, you guys probably didn't see this, but at the end, his um, – I think today actually marks 40 years that he's been at ESPN – and he was crying uh, at the game, remembering it. And he was um, basically saying that, like, he's like, someday I'm going to get the call and they're going to tell me not to be here anymore. But he's like, but I've loved it and blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> I forget who the play-by-play was. He's like, wonderful emotional stuff. All right, we're going to say goodbye here from the KFC Yum Center. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that name oh just like totally undermines everything. It is just, I just can't get over what an embarrassing venue name it is. And it has an exclamation after oh, young. Oh God. Can they please bring back Rick Pitino in his Colonel Sanders suit? Just that, just for that moment, not Absolutely. for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I, that killed That's me. Great. So yeah, I'll go with 15 and five. No, you know, I'll go ahead and say 16 and four. Let's get a little bullish where there it's, it's the time for it. If, if any time is, is. 
Um, and I do think we're going to be a one seed this year. I mean, I've looked, I've watched teams play. No, we beat Kansas. I don't know how Kansas is ranked number two again after after we beat them, and we're ranked number ten because we had one meaningless loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think there's four teams better than us in the country when we're playing at our best. And co- the way Coach K always gets this team peaking for the ACC championship, yeah. you just know come the end of the year we're going to win that thing. You know, Carolina and Louisville will beat each other up. We'll win, and uh, I think we'll have a one seed. So that is my take. Um, one more question from the from the Twitter group. Um, Brad Brzezinski asks, in what I think is an interesting question, what non-Zion player would you add to this year's team that would still have eligibility now if they had stayed at Duke? So in other words, we're looking at the last three years or so. Yeah. Freshman that left or whoever left. Who would you add and why? Mm. Well, there's one obvious answer, but let's, let's think about that one. And yeah what this team kind of needs. And that's the bigger question I think is what kind of player would you add to this? Yeah. He's had in the past three years. Yeah. I mean, so so back to 2016. Yeah. It goes back to 20. I mean, for then it would have to have been a player who was a freshman who would be a senior now. So basically somebody who could still be at Duke and still have eligibility. I had in 2016. Um, I will I will throw some names I mean, at you as I look up the rosters, yeah, but please do. I mean the I mean, I the obvious one is just R.J. Barrett, right? I mean it, it'd be hard. I think to... he probably meant non Zion, non R.J. Okay, yeah. we can treat it like that. That's fine. So for me, looking at that team, and I actually had this conversation last night. Um, my pick would be Cam Reddish. Think about Cam Reddish a like year advanced in a team where he could actually be that player that we wish Wendell Moore was. And also think about the ability of Wendell Moore to develop courtesy of learning from Cam Reddish. Like you get that kind of fluid slasher guy that this team kind of doesn't have right now. Right. right, right, Um, And hopefully with a little bit more confidence coming into his second year playing here. Um, And I think he could have contributed a lot in finding himself. And I think we would have seen more of those like big games from him if he felt like he fit into the offense. And I feel like in looking at the team we have right now, he's the kind of player we're missing. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a great call. And yeah, like you said, he would have been a far better fit on this year's team. Wait, wait, couldn't we get Jason Tatum on this yeah, team? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. J- Jason Tatum would be eligible okay. still. And would Brandon Ingram be eligible still? That, no. I don't I don't think know. so. Okay. Um, so, okay, from the my, year- my immediate thought was Chase Jeter, but only because oh, I was no. trying to be an asshole. <laughs> oh, Chase. Uh, yeah, Chase Jeter would be uh, eligible. He definitely could. All right, so... Yeah, yeah, Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, I mean... <laughs> Grayson, oh, uh, he's no, a No, no, he wouldn't have eligibility. So Marquez Bolden. Gone. Yeah, I mean, I think I uh, my initial thought was, okay, Bolden, sure, but why? Yeah, what, I, mean, what need, I mean, what need yeah. is he what, filling yeah, on what, this what team? What would he do that we don't already have in Vernon Carey? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, Ooh, Frank Jackson could be a good pick because then we would have a secondary point guard to Trey and we could rest Trey more. Yeah, and right now, I mean, looking at that, that's actually a pretty big conundrum. Like, Javin Deloria got 21 minutes, or not Javin, uh, Jordan Goldwire got 21 minutes mm-hmm. last night. And, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that Alex O'Connell just routinely, routinely disappoints, yeah. it, it just Ooh. kills us because it really doesn't give any chance. If you had Alex O'Connell as a legitimate offensive threat, you could sit Trey Jones, you could have Jordan Goldwire run the offense and not need to score, and you could have maybe Joey Baker and O'Connell be your outside threats. O'Connell just implodes anytime there's a little bit of pressure, and so you can't yeah. do it. And it kills you. It kills you because that's why Trey Jones has to play 40 minutes because you can't have Delorier in there with – or sorry, go, I keep calling that. <laughs> you can't have Goldwire in there with just right. Joey Baker. You know, right. just Joey Baker or Wendell Moore. I mean, it, it's it's so hard. And so, yeah, a Frank Jackson type would be, would be a great pick. Yeah. Um, also, and, like, this just shows that, like – with one and dones, it's so easy to forget talent that comes through. But yep. we also had Gary Trent Jr. Ooh, yeah, right. I want him on the team. Mm-hmm. He was good. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just say uh, we our th- three point field goal percentage this year after last night is up to thirty six percent. Oh wow! Because we're not shooting as many threes. Yeah, it's good. What did we shoot? Fifteen last night. Uh, last night it was, I believe seven for 15. Okay. Let me, let me confirm that. But 36% no, you is, were right. Seven is, for 15. Is that right? Yeah. Come okay. On, dude. Yeah. So 
thirty six percent is really good. That means that we're shooting smart threes, yep. and we and we actually are a threat. It's not great, but it's very very good, and it's miles better than last year. Yeah. So. That is like, that's a huge boon because I think we all started thinking this is just like last year. We just don't have the shooters. Um, But the emergence of guys like Joey Baker, you know, Vern being able to hit once in a while, Trey Jones uh, shooting 34%, Cassius Stanley, um, and of course, Matt Hurt, who I consider our best shooter. Um, Or maybe Joey Baker is now. I don't know. But anyway... Yeah, we actually we actually have an outside threat now, and that that is enormous. Yeah. Especially, I think if we can, Stretch like I said, offense comes from bit. defense. When we're in transition, if we can get more and more open threes, mm-hmm. um, which actually I gotta say, Michigan State I thought in the first half did a good job defending transition, and I thought they really focused on it, knowing how vulnerable they would be if we could get that, and we still managed to score. So yeah, uh, yeah offense was solid. Offense was really good last night. All right, we are at 55 minutes, I believe, unless we have any more important points to make. We should start wrapping this up. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts thoughts for Virginia Tech? Anything you guys want to say? Um, always a tough road game there. Yeah, tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's my, my main thing is like how they're going to respond to the atmosphere. Um, and hopefully they come out like they did last night. Um, and I think if they do, do my confidence in this team in this team will definitely go up um because this is a really tough like road stretch for us um and I know we have a couple different like I think some of our like more difficult matchups are all on the road this season for ACC and so I think this will give me confidence in how this team is able to handle playing in tough stadiums against tough teams um which is one thing that I am worried about because in the home games that we've had so far in like the struggle ones, they have needed a lot of support from the crowd, a lot of coaching, like active coaching from the sideline. And like, if you're playing in a place that's like going to just obliterate you with noise and you can't have that coaching relationship, like you're going to be wanting for that and it's going to create tension and issues. And so if they can respond like they did last night on the road on Friday, I'll definitely feel good. A counterpoint to that, we could be experiencing uh, a classic. Uh, we play up to the mm-hmm. moment, uh, as opposed to, and, and also play down to the moment yep. uh, type I team. Think that's, uh, it, the results bear it out. Yeah, uh, I we, would agree. We've played very well against uh, Kansas. We played very well on the big Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. stage against the the two teams in the two K Classic. Mm-hmm. We played very well uh, uh, last. Uh, Last night? Tuesday night? What are you supposed last to say night. on the podcast? Yeah, it's last night. Because nobody night. knows what day it oh, is yeah. ever out It's there. Wednesday. It's Wednesday today. It's mm-hmm. Tuesday then, but they could be listening to this on a Friday. That's true. You yeah. just got to be honest with your own perspective, man. Say what it is for you right here, right now. It's Tuesday. Well, now it's Wednesday. <laughs> but the game was on Tuesday. Good stuff. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> that was definitely not more confusing than just saying, just like letting it go. This is like the Mr. Show uh, sketch, <laughs> like the future call-in radio show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> People watch that if you haven't seen it. Oh, yes, definitely That's what watch. our podcast oh, has become. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like the moment will be big mm-hmm. um, uh, and that this will probably be a step up yeah. uh, kind of thing. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me that that Virginia Tech's lost the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're two basketball teams will show up, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. I um, it's been an interesting year for Virginia Tech. So they got it started with a uh, ACC win in their very first game against Clemson, mm-hmm. which whatever. But it was at Clemson, so that's good. Then they go to Maui in their very first game in Maui. They beat Michigan State by five, right. and that is to go seven and zero on the year. So things are looking amazing. Then they play Dayton and lose by twenty seven. Dayton's Ooh. good though. Dayton, Dayton is good. good. Dayton's good. There's no doubt. Then they, they lose by be... thirteen to BYU. Oh, interesting. So they, I mean, as good as Dayton is, like I feel like twenty seven points is pretty emphatic. But whatever, one game things can get yeah. away from you. And look, Duke's going to go there. The people are going to come out of the hills mm-hmm. in Blacksburg. The people who... Yelling. Yeah, screaming and hooting and hollering with their jugs of moonshine. That's what it's <laughs> like up there. Um, I've been there, folks, and I come from mountain country, so I can say it. <laughs> that, These are that filthy, sounds utter, filthy utterly Scotch terrifying. Irish. They are filthy Scotch-Irish <laughs> oh <my> people. <laughs> They've been stuck in Appalachia. Okay, they, didn't, they don't have a sense of the outside world, and it's absolutely <laughs> raucous there. But they it's, get bacon if the team wins, right? They all get bacon, um, and 
Well, Bacon's a strong motivator. <laughs> it is. I was going to say other things about pigs, but I won't Please do it. Stop. Thank you. But yeah. if you've ever seen the movie Deliverance, this, oh, is, God. this is the kind of thing we're expecting up there. Uh, so I just hope everybody comes back safe. Oh, <laughs> terrible. No, Virginia Tech's a great school and a nice place with lots of lovely people, but it's going to be tough for Duke. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, Cameron Crazies. I don't know when we're nope, going to. Nope, nope. Cameron, Cameron Lazies. Lazies. Yep. Cameron Lazies is Get our podcast right. name. Good job. I don't know when we're going to record again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're leaving us. I hope it's soon. I hope it's soon. It definitely will be before the new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May try to get some content up for you after the Virginia Tech yeah. game. Uh, and I'll just say, yeah, wonderful win last week. And if we can go 2-0 and this week, that will be a bit of a dream. Because uh, it didn't look like that was the case at the yeah. end of last week. So, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes. Follow us. Subscribe. You said like, like us. Like, just like us. We're desperate <laughs> for it. Please. Is that a thing you still do on social media? You can like so. tweets yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Thumbs yeah. up. Yeah, follow us all on Twitter. I've been reading all Give the four star heart. reviews and just crying so oh. much. Are there really five stars reviews? only, man? No, I don't know if anyone. <laughs> I feel like there is zero. I don't reviews. even know where any of this goes. So don't uh, don't write four star reviews. I just folks. leave. That's... I just leave the the microphone and then I go away and and it come back. Ag- yeah, I come back again and. That's what you do. I don't put any of these online. It's just the three of us. Oh, really? Yeah. This is never going public. It's that's, just the three of us talking. That's kind of what I suspected because um, a great reason to start a podcast is because you, you actually just want to have a conversation with people. I just want friends. Right. I want people right. in my house. So that's good. This is good. I'm glad that, um, well, I feel very liberated now to say a lot more controversial things now that I know that it's not going out on the air. Yeah. Let yeah. it fly. Let, okay. let your alt-right opinions come out. Whatever you got. Definitely. All my pig related opinions <laughs> lord help us all right folks have a great week go duke and we will talk to you soon Woo-hoo. bye